Good morning, friends. So, so good to see you. Uh, I love, uh, I'm biased because I work here, but I love our church. I do. I love our church, and I love being together with you, so thanks for that privilege. Um, back in 2003, Disney adapted the young adult novel Holes for the big screen, starring a young Shia Le what? Boof? Buff. Ladies. Oh, there's so many ladies who are like, buff. It's buff, okay? <laughs> ladies, no. Young Shia LaBeouf. Also, uh, Cleo Thomas was his co-star. LaBeouf was caveman, and Cleo Thomas was a character named Zero. Now, uh, Zero was given the nickname Zero because they didn't think he was very smart, and he didn't ever talk. And so about a third of the way through the movie, there's a scene where they're at the quote-unquote, camp that they're all at, a detention facility, and they're eating a meal around a table, and Caveman says something, and Zero finally speaks. And the whole table kind of erupts, and they're like, what? Zero? He speaks? And I think a lot of us think God is like Zero. Never expect him to speak. When I was growing up, I grew up going to church, and church I went to was a great church, but nobody ever told me that God might still want to speak to me today the same way that he spoke to people in the Bible. Like, I I heard, like, we have the Bible, like, and you got the Bible, and that's all that you need. And that's true, and at the same time, not true. What we're going to do over the next four weeks is dive into this series to ask a number of questions. Does God still speak to us today? Uh, Next week, I I actually want to ask a specific question. Um, How do we answer the, the reality that God's voice can seem very confusing at times? What do we do about that? Uh, The week after that, I want to ask the question, uh, how do we learn to recognize what God's voice sounds like? Because God has an accent. This week, I'd like for us to answer a couple of questions. Uh, Does God really still speak the way that he did in the Bible? Uh, Would he actually speak to me? And if so, how? And if he can... Why should I care? What I'd like you to do is open up your Bibles to the very, very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Because there's some really important things. Genesis 1 kind of sets up everything that's going to come through the rest of Scripture. And there's some really important things that the text wants us to learn and understand about who God is, what he's like. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1, we read these words. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the chaos, or the waters. 
And then we see in verse 3, and God said, let there be light. You see, one of the things that we learn at the very beginning of Scripture is that God is a God who speaks. And God said. And when God speaks, his voice does certain things. God's voice takes nothing and turns it into something. God's voice takes ashes and turns it into beauty. God's voice takes chaos and brings order out of it. That's what God's voice does. And we see at the very beginning of Genesis uh, how God continues to speak. He speaks creation into existence, speaks humanity into existence. Then he begins to speak with humanity. And then we get to chapter 3 and another voice enters the picture. And it's not God's voice. And the evil one comes and starts asking Adam and Eve, the first humans, if what God said was true was actually true. Another voice speaking into their lives. And in that moment, they decide to trust that voice rather than God's voice. And we pick up the story in chapter 3, verse 7. They eat the fruit, and it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden of the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What this is telling us about God and humanity is that they were intended to be in relationship together. You see, this isn't just a one-off. They recognize the sound of God walking in the garden. That tells us that this was something that God and humanity did all the time. They didn't just have a God who would speak something to them and then go away. They had a God who visited with them daily, and they would walk together and talk together and and there's an old hymn, <laughs> and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me. I can't even sing it. That's a, I should have stopped way before that. This is what God intends for his people, what he always desired, a relationship where he gets to guide them and speak to them and interact with them. And now because they listen to a different voice, they're hiding from God, it says in Verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, not that God wasn't sure where they were. But again, God is reaching out. Reaching out, speaking to those he loves. Verse 10, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I want you to hold on to this story. We're going to come back to it a little bit later. But one of the things that I think is important for us to catch right here at the very beginning of Scripture is that we have a God who speaks, and when he speaks, it's always for our benefit. His guidance is always that we would flourish. When he speaks, disorder becomes order. Dead things become alive again. 
That's the kind of God that we have. And he doesn't just talk to Adam and Eve. He, he talks to folks all throughout Scripture, right? He talks to Abraham and Noah. God talks to Samuel and Rebecca and Deborah and Mary and Paul and Philip. You don't believe me? Look at these short passages right up here. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, he speaks to people and individuals. Deuteronomy 1.6, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. Exodus 6.2, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. 1 Kings 3.5, God said to Jonah in Jonah 4.9, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? God speaks to Jonah. In Acts 7.3, God said, leave your country and your people. Go to the land. I, uh, uh, that's not Acts 3. That's actually Exodus 7.3. So, we see all throughout Scripture that we have a God who speaks, and he speaks to men and women alike. He speaks to people who are close to himself and people who are far from himself. He speaks to Christians and non-Christians. We see that in the story of Cornelius in the book of Acts. We have a God who speaks. But the question that I think many of us actually wrestle with is, does God still speak that way to us today? Does God still speak the way that he used to in the Bible? Right? Because in the Bible, God spoke in a number of different ways, but it was always direct, plain, un easy to understand, or at least able to be understood. The same way that I ask for advice from my parents and I expect them to give me an answer that I can understand, does God speak that way to us today? Or is just the Bible what we've got, and we've just got to kind of figure it out from there? Look, if you went to one of your folks and you said, hey, I'm thinking about buying a car, what car should I buy? Or for me, like when I was going to college, and I was like, man, I don't know what to major in. What do you think I should major in? Like, I asked that question, I expect a real answer. My parents would be like, well, you like people, Right? You're not very good at school. You should be a Bible major. <laughs> I'm kidding. They didn't say that, but they could have, right? God speaks to us in much the same way, but I think the best way that I can explain this is just by simply sharing a story with you of uh, one of the most powerful ways that God's ever spoken to me. Um, God speaks in a lot of different ways. Uh, But for me, it happened uh, this particular time uh, when I was at church. I actually think God speaks to his people more in the midst of the gathered assembly than almost any other place. I didn't always think that, to be honest. Um, but I've come to realize that after following Jesus for a long time, that uh, it's often right here. And so uh, this was uh, back in 2009. June 21st, to be exact, I remember the date. Uh, I was sitting uh, right back over here, because that's where I always sat. I was a youth pastor at a church in Grand Rapids, and so the senior pastor was up preaching. I'm sitting back in my normal spot right over there, chilling, doing my thing, and uh, it was Father's Day. That's how I remember, June 21st, 2009. And he said, hey, dads, I don't have a specific Father's Day message for you, um, but I just want you to especially just see if there's something God wants to say today. So he's preaching out of 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And in this particular chapter, he's talking about using the gifts that God has given you, the, 
the, the talents that you have, the experiences and passions that God's given you to, to serve the church and to, to build up the church and to serve the kingdom of God. And so I'm a youth pastor. So I'm like, man, I'm crushing this. <laughs> like, the, the, like, I'm all about the message, but I'm doing it already. Like, I, the, I'm, I like to teach. I get to do that. I like to disciple uh, uh, young leaders. I'm getting to do that. Like, all the things that God had, like, given me, my abilities and stuff, like, I'm already using it because I'm a youth pastor. So I'm sitting there listening, like, Lord, bring it, right? But not for me. It's for everybody else. <laughs> they need to hear, Lord. But as he's teaching, I'm listening, and I'm just trying to be open. Now, uh, at that church, uh, we didn't do this very often, but on this particular Sunday, the pastor said, all right, at the end of his message, um, I just want you to take a minute, and I just want you to sit and listen to God and see if there's anything that he wants to say to you. So I'm like, cool. Now, I also enjoyed woodworking, okay? little hobby, little talent. So we go into this time of silence, and... Uh, I kind of say to God, well, God, you know, I'm already doing like, you know, I'm using my gifts to serve the church. Like, I'm already doing that. I'm a youth pastor. And then I'm like uh, kind of half joking to God. I'm like, uh, now, you know, I do woodworking. So if you need me to build a new podium for the stage, like, Lord, I can like, you just tell me, say the word. I'll, I'll do that for you. God didn't laugh. I, I thought it was funny, but God, he didn't seem to laugh. But then I was like, yeah, but God, you also know that I really enjoy training police dogs. So, Lord, wouldn't it be awesome to have, like, a police dog up on stage, like, just standing there, like, that'd be sweet, right? Like, you could protect the path. So I'm kind of making this little, like, jokey joke with God, okay? And then I heard so clearly, like, it, it kind of, it honestly, it kind of shocked me. I heard God say, I want you to adopt Danelle. Now, I wasn't praying about this. This was nothing to do with the message. It was not anything that I was thinking about. God said, I want you to adopt Danelle. Now, I need to give you a little bit of background on, on my story, my family. I grew up with six adopted brothers and sisters, the oldest of nine. Um, adoption is not a foreign concept to me. I love the family that I grew up in. I loved all the different uh, abilities and colors and backgrounds. It was a beautiful, amazing experience that God had been using in my life to shape me more and more into the image of Christ. So the concept of adoption was, was not a foreign concept, but uh, we had three young kids, my wife and I at the time. I think at that time they were all uh, uh, under the age of five. Two were still in diapers. And I had told God uh, years before, like, God, I'm cool with adoption. Like, hey, maybe someday, like, I'm, if you, you know, tell me, like, I'm willing. But God, I, I won't adopt. I can't adopt uh, a child that has special needs. Uh, I grew up with a number of brothers and sisters that had special needs. I loved that experience, but I knew how hard it was. I knew the work that it took. I knew how difficult it was. And so I told God, like, I'm willing, Lord, to do this, but, like, I can't do that. So Danelle was a little baby who was born four months premature. This is a picture of him. Uh, he weighed uh, just over one pound. I said pounds, one pound. That's my mom's fingers. Uh, my mom's, like, four foot ten in heels. 
Okay, so she is not a large woman. Those are not large hands, but compared to that little child, they look ginormous because uh, Danelle could fit from here to here. Danelle, uh, being born four months premature, uh, was on heart monitors, respiratory monitors, had a J-tube, oxygen, oxygen saturation monitors, had to have a heart surgery right off the bat. Uh, they weren't sure uh, if it was going to affect his eyesight. They weren't sure what all was going to be needed in the months, years to come. And when God said, I want you to adopt Danelle in that moment, I started a conversation. You ever had a conversation in your head that probably lasted like five seconds in real time, but it felt like two hours? I started having a conversation with God, and I said, God, like, all right, we, we had this talk, Lord. I got, I'm willing, but A, not right now. Like, we've got three little kids, and like, it's a lot. And God, I said I would adopt, but I, I've only said, like, I can't do what my parents did. It's too difficult, Lord. I know what it's like. And in that moment, I felt God say, just as, just as direct, I want you to adopt Danelle. Now, my parents had adopted Danelle's uh, older half-sister. I knew that they were going to be his foster parents when Danelle finally was able to come home from the hospital. They had already mentioned to Brenda and I and my brother and pretty much any other young Christian couple that was willing to listen to them, oh, he's so cute, you should adopt him. They were trying to like find any young Christian couple that would take him in. You want to know why? Because they had adopted his older half-sister and they already had fallen in love with him, and you don't get to control where a child is adopted out to, and they wanted him to be adopted into a Christian family that he might grow up to know Jesus one day. Now, when they first had said something, we're like, ha, 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 hilarious, we've got three young kids. Didn't think twice about it until June 21st, Father's Day, sitting in the back of the church, and God speaking. And so I said to God in that second time when he said, I want you to adopt Danelle, I said, Lord, I don't think I can do this. But if you need me to, if you're telling me to, I will. And then I said to him, but you have to tell Brenda, I won't. <laughs> Literally, that's what I, I said. I'm willing, but you have to tell Brenda, I'm not telling her. <laughs> And uh, prayer time was over. Brenda looked at me, and I knew, like, I'd been having a conversation with God. I knew the same conversation that he was having with Brenda. So I said to her, I was like, babe, like, what did God say? I already know, because he'd been talking to me. And uh, she says, uh, I don't know, nothing really. And I'm like, what? What do you, you mean, nothing? <laughs> God, <laughs> he's talking... So I said to her, I was like, oh, really, nothing? And she's like, well, I don't know, not really. Like, maybe I'm supposed to help out in the kids' ministry a little bit more. I don't know. And I was like, okay. And she said, why? Did God say something to you? And I was like, ah, uh, maybe. <laughs> we can talk later. Now, normally, if I say something like that, right, she's on it, right? Like, what? What? You got to tell me. What did he say? What? Right? And she just let it go. Just let it go. 
And we went home that afternoon and it didn't get brought up again. And a week went by and God continued to talk to me and speak to me. And another week went by and she didn't bring up a single thing. And I was a youth pastor, so I was getting ready to take a bunch of upperclassmen students on a missions trip to Poland. Uh, Brenda and I had been married for about 10 years at this point. Uh, and so we were going to actually do our, like our 10-year anniversary. Um, she was going to meet me at the end of this missions trip. So it's two weeks long. We're there in Poland, um, hanging out with these students. We're discipling, sharing uh, the gospel, and, and encouraging some Polish believers and non-believers. And we get to the end of that um, two weeks, and Brenda then flies over. So we haven't seen each other for two weeks. She's been at home with our kids, and now she's flying over so we can spend some time together. Jordan was actually uh, working. Uh, we were working together at the time, so he took the students and the rest of the leaders, and they prepared to fly back to the States. And uh, Brenda and I are going to spend a few days in Krakow and a couple days in Prague. It's going to be this amazing time together. And that first night um, when she is in town, uh, when we get to kind of be together, we, we go off into this little coffee shop right off the main square in Krakow. I can still remember the cobblestone streets, and it's almost like you're going through like a little alley off the side, and then there's just this cool little coffee shop that's just kind of surrounded by buildings, and we're sitting there, and we're sipping coffee together and just catching up because we haven't really talked in a couple weeks. And, and she's just sharing stories of what was happening, random things. Her brother and sister-in-law had come in to visit. I knew they were coming in. He lived in, they lived in Montana. And they came in, and... Um, Danelle was now at home uh, with my parents. He was out of the hospital. And so Brenda had gone over there to go swimming at their house. And our kids were there, and her brother and sister-in-law were there, and her, her sister-in-law, our sister-in-law, uh, saw Danelle and said, oh, I wish, I wish we lived in Michigan. We would adopt him. He's so cute. And Brenda is just telling me this random story that she thinks is random, at least. And... Uh, she says, I got this weird competitive thought in my head. You shouldn't adopt him. We should be adopting him. And my face went white. And I looked at her and I said, do you remember a month ago? And she knew exactly what I was talking about. I said, God told me we're supposed to adopt Danelle. And she said, no. She said, no. No, God's not saying that. Like she, I, she's like, that, that story, that's not what I was talking about. She's like, we have three kids. Two are still in diapers. It would be way too much. I can't handle that. We don't know what his life's going to be like. We don't know what it's all going to mean. And, uh, and I started having a conversation, and she didn't want to have it. And so I just kind of let it go. And the next day, we're uh, walking around Krakow, and, and uh, there's no way for me to not bring it up again because, like, God's just confirmed. And she just says, no, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And so I kind of let it go, but it's this thing that we're feeling the whole time that we're supposed to be on our 10-year anniversary special vacation. And we get back home, and uh, we're about to leave for a family vacation vacation. Uh, in two days, and I say, babe, we've got to talk about this. Can we take a day, and we'll fast, and we'll pray, and just see what God says? And she doesn't want to, but she says, fine. And so we take a day, and we fast, and we pray, and uh, we're going to have a conversation. It's our first day of vacation. 
Uh, we're there with the family, and I say, babe, and at this point, I, like, God's been so clear. He's, he's basically saying to me, you're, you're in disobedience if you don't do this. And so I, I say to her, babe, like, I really think this is what God's calling us to do. And she says, I prayed and I fasted, and you know what? God wouldn't ask me to do something that hard. So at this point, I'm like, I know I'm being disobedient, but I don't know what to do. And so I just let it go, and I start saying, God, am I even hearing you right? Did I hear you right? And uh, two days later, um, I'm taking a nap because I'm a great dad on vacation. <laughs> my, wife <ha> <laughs> my wife has a saying, how mad are you from a scale of zero to your husband's taking a nap? So uh, <laughs> I'm taking a nap, and... Uh, the kids, I think, are watching a, a movie, and, and Brenda was um, doing some stuff uh, there at our little vacation rental, and she's talking to God, and she says to God, God, I, I, it's weird, but I feel like you're, because if you know my wife, she's like a way better Christian than me. She's like, God, I feel like you're just so distant right now. And she said she heard, it was so clear that she felt like it was a voice outside. She's like, I know it wasn't. It was just internal, but she said, I heard God say, you're not obeying me. And she woke me up. Thought I got all my tears out the first service. She woke me up and she said, God told me we're supposed to do this. And so we sat our three kids down and we began to talk about, they had met Danelle and uh, we talked and we said, we think God's asking us to adopt him. What do you guys think? And they were all excited about it. And uh, the next day or two days later, we went home and uh, called my parents and said, hey, we want to come over uh, and talk. And so we, we went into their house and uh, we just sat them down. We said, hey, um, God told us we're supposed to adopt Danelle. And my mom started weeping um, because they loved this little kid and they wanted him to know Jesus and uh his sister was my sister, and we're not even from West Virginia. That's what's kind of strange about it. My, <laughs> Sorry, West Virginians. Um, God called us to adopt Max, not because it was going to be something that was easy, but because he knew that it was going to be something beautiful and good. You see, God knew the kind of family that Max needed for him to grow up in health. He needed brothers and sisters that were going to love on him and, and beat him up and get beaten up and be everything that family is. God knew that he needed that. God knew that he probably would really benefit from having a, a mother who is also a nurse and a dad who was a pastor who got to baptize his youngest son right there last year. But more than that, God knew that I needed it. Growing up in a family where I had uh, brothers and sisters with different backgrounds and ethnicities and developmental uh, um, differences, having uh, brothers and sisters that were African-American, I cared about the African-American experience. But I will tell you, friends, there is nothing like being the father to an African-American son that will make you start to really pay attention to what's going on in our world and do I really care for justice the way that the Bible cares about justice, the way that Jesus cares about justice. Do I really care about life the way Jesus 
cares about life, the way the Bible cares about life? Am I really willing to step into hard, difficult places to say, yes, we'll stand up? You see, God all along knew that I needed this as much as Max needed this. And he's used Max to shape me. I'm a better father today because Max is my son. I'm a better husband today because Max is my son. I'm a better pastor today because Max is my son. But you want to know something more than that? I'm a better follower of Jesus because Max is my son. Now, friends, it's not easy. When you say yes to God, when you listen to the guidance that he gives, it's not always easy. In fact, I don't think God often brings us to easy places. But there is power and beauty in going to the hard places that actually make you can't be deep without going through deep waters. God does something in that place. And friends, God is a God who speaks. He always has been and he always will be. And his speaking, his guidance is always for our best interest. In church, we want to be a church that listens for God's voice. That is willing to quiet ourselves long enough to know what God might want to say to us. A lot of times people then think like, well, of course, T. Like, of course, of course God speaks to you. You're a pastor. Right? And of course God spoke to Abraham and to King David. Of course God spoke to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Like, they're important people. They're, those folks, they're extraordinary. I'm just like an ordinary person. Can I let you in on a little secret? There are no extraordinary people in Scripture. There's only ordinary people that have an extraordinary God. And if you feel ordinary, perfect. Because it's not about you. It's about you having an extraordinary God who's so desirous of speaking to you that he was willing to send his own son Jesus to die on a cross, raising him back to life. That's why God sent Jesus, because of how much he loves you. In fact, we read in Romans chapter 8, 32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If he's willing to give us Jesus do you not think he would also want to guide you, speak to you in ways that you can understand and know and follow? He does. Friends, he does. Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. It's the important ending of the story. God calls to Adam, where are you? And Adam says, we heard you and got afraid because we were naked, so we hid. Verse 11, and he said, that is God, who told you that you were naked? Who told you? Who spoke to you? Whose voice have you been listening to? It wasn't mine. And friends, way too often, we listen to so many other voices around us that say that would be too tough, too difficult. Voices that tell us, if you go after this, that's where you're going to find happiness. If you pursue that, that's where you're going to find fulfillment. And God simply wants to say, who told you today? I know with all my heart that if we are willing to humble ourselves and say, God, you speak, and we will listen, God will speak. You got questions, God would love to be able to answer you. He's a good father who knows how to give good gifts to his kids that ask. So what I'd like for us to do is I'd like for us just to take a minute and sit in silence with God to see if there's something he might wish to say to us today.
I love what my mentor always tells me whenever we do something like this. He says, expect nothing, receive anything. So take one minute right now and let's just sit with God and say, God, is there anything you need to say to me today? I'm willing to listen. Expect nothing, receive anything. Father, we are here. Father God, we love you. But we only love you because you first loved us. You are a God who speaks. You have been from the beginning and you still do today. We are ordinary people. But you, Father, are extraordinary. Help us not just to hear from you, but give us the courage to then put it into action for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray.